0: Hey everybody, Chris. Uh, with a couple of upfront things per usual, um, the Since right now, addiction recovery podcast network is growing. I'll be adding uh, the debut episode of Mags Shore's Sober Courage Pod. It's about re- parenting in recovery, parenting while sober, and uh, you know, I hope you give it a chance, just like the rest of the shows on the network, and keep listening um, to uh, this episode. Neither Matt nor Jeff could make it, so i um, going solo. And uh, Rosemary O'Connor, uh, recovery coach Rosemary O'Connor and I had a great talk, and I hope you enjoy it. And lastly, um, I want to start doing something new. I want to start taking uh, listener questions, and obviously we'll answer them as we do, which is somewhat irreverently, uh, is my guess. And we're, we're not professionals, and we're not uh, qualified to give any uh, uh, practical advice, but call K and S, K plus S, K-L-N-S-B-R-1, which is um, 507-556-7271, and leave your questions, and we'll take a look and uh, answer them on upcoming podcasts. Um, Jeff, Matt, and I individually, collectively, I'm not sure, but uh, I, I want to hear what you're thinking and, and what you want to talk to us about. Matt and Chris. Hey, Rosemary. I, yeah. Can you hear me? I can. Great. Well, uh, then let me welcome you to, uh, since right now, Addiction Recovery Podcast. Um, with us tonight... Have and I'm never sure if. Uh, well, I mean, I suppose you're you're, uh, you're you're published. You you have a book, so there's certainly no anonymity. Um, we have Rosemary O'Connor with us tonight, and uh, we're gonna talk recovery. Um, re- your rec- Rosemary's a recovery coach. Am I, am I? Is that the correct terminology? Okay, I'm still I'm still learning this and actually got into a bit of a discussion today and I think we're jumping in um or, or yesterday on on Facebook with somebody about the distinction between sobriety coaches and recovery coaches and I would think that it's a pretty um clear distinction. Yeah. Um as sobriety and recovery are two distinct things yeah, to me.
1: I'm actually I I got certified as a life coach years ago when you had to actually go to school and get trained and put in hours and right. So I was doing that for a long, long time, and then I got certified as an addiction coach. So, yeah, I, I do a little bit of both, and, yeah.
0: And so an addiction coach, so there's a third sort of type of coach that we've introduced. What What is an addiction coach versus a recovery or a sobriety coach?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's 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 the same. Oh. Uh, yeah, when I just say addiction because I coach on all addictions. Gotcha. Um, so... Yeah, you know anything from drugs, alcohol, shopping, uh, binging, purging, sex, love. Uh, what have I forgotten? Money.
0: <laughs> because um, yeah, and is that because I mean, it, essentially, the, I mean the tools are fundamentally the same. There, there must be distinctions. Um, uh, I, and I've got to ask this: Are you uh, grounded in 12-step recovery, yeah, or?
1: I am. I mean, that's where I've. You know, that's where I got my foundation right. in, in 12 steps. Okay. And yet I've done so many other kind of seeking and uh, I hate the word self-help, but, you know, my, mine has expanded way beyond just 12 steps. But it's, it's where I started in recovery and I, I'm still very active in the AA community. Well, in, in the 12 step community, right. a couple different 12 step. I, I kind of just go to what's killing me the most <laughs> sure, sure. and, and, but always keep two feet in um, the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous cause that's where I started.
0: And okay. So can we maybe back up there and talk about your journey? Um, and, and it doesn't have to be a, a, a long, what, what's it called in the room? drunk log but um What what got you into recovery? Why why are you with us now here in recovery? Um,
1: Well, let's see. Uh, I was going through a divorce, and Mm. I had uh, three small children. They were two, five, and eight. And you know, I'm from an Irish Catholic background, and you know, you don't Irish Catholics we don't get divorced. Mm. (laughs) And I had some real you know bad behavior in my marriage, some real sick behavior, and so I was really. treating all the guilt, shame, remorse, fear, with alcohol. Um, And basically, you know, I've been drinking since I was 16. Uh, I used to call myself a very social drinker, but I guess I was just extremely social uh, (laughs) because I started uh, for many years, you know, drinking, um, you know, just a couple drinks each night. And then as I was going through my diver- divorce, uh, it just kept getting, you know, the weekends just kept getting longer and longer. And uh, so I just, you know, again, with all the guilt and shame and remorse of the divorce and what have I done to my kids and how am I going to raise these kids, I just continued um, drinking until really my bottom was um, one night um, I hired a 11-year-old or a 10-year-old babysitter to watch my kids. Wow. and. Told him I, you know, I'd be just gone for a couple hours. And long story short, I I didn't come home. And what I did come home to were my three young kids sitting on the couch in their jammies. My soon-to-be ex-husband was there. My best friend, and basically they just let me have it, um, you know, with their words and their looks. Mm-hmm. And you know, it was the look on my kids' face because I was what you might call a, from the outside, a. High bottom drunk, you know. I still lived in a beautiful home, beautiful mm. car, um, a good job that I kept getting promoted in. Um, I still had friends and family. Um, and, but really, what I was dying on the inside, you know, just scared and just kind of lost. I lost the person I was. And really, I got sober Uh, because I was afraid I was going to lose my kids, and I was just in so much shame. Uh, So, um, you know, I entered the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, and, you know, basically my book is just a uh, many, many years of writing on all the different subjects I wrote on in the book uh, that challenges that I was faced with Um, You know, like guilt, shame, Mm -hmm. divorce, codependency, on and on. Um, I started writing about them and then eventually, um, you know, got a lot of help in many different avenues and been able to really transform myself and recover from all many difficult situations. So that was really the, the gist of the book that, you know, you can go from the bottom of anything, um, whether it be relationships or, you know, money or drugs and alcohol. And you can make different decisions and heal all those wounds and, and you know, live the life that you you really deserve to live.
0: Yeah. And uh, so it, it was... Um, so the, the was the bottom that... The bottom was coming home to find your children your soon-to-be ex-husband and your friend right in the living room okay
1: that was like the outward bottom yeah but really you know I remember like week before that looking in the mirror Um, I mean because I I started drinking more and more and more and the consequences Mm -hmm. were getting worse and you know the places I was ending up um we're just you know scary, and I remember like a week before I got sober looking in the mirror, you know, through like those hollow eyes mm-hmm. thinking, you know, how did a nice girl like me end up in a place like this? Um, yeah. just really hollow and shallow and you know, full of self-hatred.
0: Yeah, I mean that that's that's tough stuff. I'm just I'm I I've learned a lot about recovery um, I, I, I it, it took me a while to realize how much I didn't know and these past couple of years have been really enlightening for me and um, I didn't have my daughter until well into my um, sobriety if not my recovery and uh, you know w- when that happened I always I, I mistakenly believed well a, a child has, has to be an in inoculation against um, you know Addiction, which is absurd. I mean, I know that not to be true before that, but somehow I thought, well, I couldn't do it now that I have a child. But um, it, it's just such a, a you know, a tenacious, you know, beast that it doesn't, it doesn't care, um, you know, yeah. child, children, family, friends. It does, it just doesn't matter. Um, the addiction is, uh, doesn't care about all that. Right. So. And that's what, um, and I should mention, I, I apologize. I, I was on my way there and I, I missed it. But uh, Rosemary's book is, is um, A Sober Mom's Guide to Recovery. And it's, I think it's published by Hazelden, right? Correct. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and that's, I think, available at all yeah, typical channels.
1: On, yeah, hazelden.org, Amazon. Right. It's in most major bookstores. Yeah. Um, it's on my website.
0: <laughs> right. And okay. that's uh, ROC Recovery Services. Dot com. dot com, um, it's it's tricky these days uh, knowing what dot what comes after the dot. I know. Um, so uh, and so when was that? When 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 did you come home to find your kids on the couch? Yeah,
1: that was um, uh, November twelfth, nineteen ninety nine. So a little over sixteen years ago.
0: Congratulations! That's thank you. Thank you. Phenomenal! Yeah. Isn't it amazing how you can have whole different. Amazing life after you know those those moments like that. It's hard to fathom sometimes, right? Yeah, yeah, well,
1: that's that's what I one of the things I love about recovery just to see people's lives change right. and grow and, and families restored. And you know, it's just that what that what was um, most intriguing to me, um, and you know, completely different than I. Than I thought my life was going to look like, right. um, but so, so amazing, so so you know, my life is so rich, and um, I'm so blessed and uh, you know, I feel good about myself and
0: which is I, I think probably the the more I, I talk to people about that, I mean, that's the fundamental um, building block, right? once you start putting life together after recovery, I mean that's that's like the key or the cornerstone or something, right, is feeling good about yourself before you can really feel good about anything or anybody else. Um, with that in mind, though, so was there any um, was there any sort of work to be done with the relationship with your children individually, I imagine, collectively? Yeah, um,
1: you know, I, I think the best was, um, you know, no, we, we never went to therapy. Well, we went to therapy as a family once I was divorced when my one of my kids was suffering uh, in his addiction oh. but um I never did any one-on-one with any of the kids you know I think it was just basically the living amends showing up being there um uh yeah I'm mainly just showing up being present and and being there for them you know and of course the main thing is not drinking and Staying committed to my recovery program first, even before Mm -hmm. my kids, you know, because I know anything we put before our recovery is probably the first that's going to go. So it's still the cornerstone of my life, even all these years after.
0: And so you mentioned one of your children having some addiction challenges. Can you talk about that, or
1: oh, for sure. Okay, and um, or maybe it was more, you know. I had the challenges with it.
0: Okay. Well.
1: <laughs> but yeah, um, it was awful. It was the hardest thing in my entire sobriety, you know, to walk that line, to know like the pain and agony of being an addict, alcoholic, and then to watch one of your kids have the same disease. Yeah. And, you know, and again, yeah, yeah, I, I, I wanted to get sober. Um, I mean, I didn't really want to stop drinking, but I wanted my life to change. And I saw a correlation. Um, you know, my child didn't want to, Mm -hmm. um, and he was, uh, gosh, when we started, I think he was 16. Yeah, he was 16 and, uh, it was hell, absolute hell. And, um, we ended up having to send him away for a whole year and, um, you know, it's still a challenge. It's still a challenge, and that's why I thank God for therapy and Al-Anon. And you know, it's been my own journey recovering from trying to fix him. Um, you know, so again, it was horrific, but my journey has been really healing on many levels.
0: Sure. How how far into your own sobriety and recovery? Did, did the issue with your, your son yeah, let's become see,
1: I, was, I was about see, I was about 10 years sober
0: okay yeah that I mean that's a that's a, a real um that was sort of one of the 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 catalysts for for beginning uh this podcast specifically and and um, also the site but you know, as a as a father, I say, I really started thinking about well, okay, what am I? How do I prepare myself? What what do I do? Um, how do I keep my child um, from having to suffer through any of this? Right. Um, and you know, the initial I suppose the the, the phases of, of figuring that out. You start out with like, well, they're never you know they're never going to drink or do any right. drugs. You know, I'm going to make sure of that. But that's just not the way it works. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. Right. And I know it's everybody's you know first fear, like, right. oh, which, which one of my kids is going to get it, you mm-hmm. know, and I, I often tell, like, my clients or sponsees, like, you know what, they're just two now, so enjoy the two-year-old, right. and, you know, maybe we'll see later if it's a problem, but, mm-hmm. you know, and again, the best thing you can do is is stay sober yourself, right. and and um, show them that there's another way, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and my, my all my kids know that They've seen my challenges, they that I've gone through in sobriety, and that I didn't pick up um, a drink or a drug, and that that's possible for them too. And they saw me throw tons of fun parties and travel, and and you can still have mm-hmm. fun in sobriety. Um, but you know that's really the only thing we can do. And but you know, and if they're addicted as kids, we can get them some help because once they're eighteen, you know. I don't know what it's like where you live, but in California, there, you know, you have no rights as a parent after they're 18. So I just said, I just always said, you know, I know kids are going to do what they're going to do, and I'm just going to try to get in the way as much as I can. (laughs) (laughs) And and, how old's your daughter? I know I've seen pictures. Oh, yeah, she'll be
0: uh, six on May 1st. Oh, so So. cute. Yeah, she's, she's terrific. She's, um. Yeah, I mean the as far as I'm concerned the the meaning of life well, um it's
1: just the best thing ever. Yeah.
0: Um so uh, w- how um were you already practicing as a coach um or how long how, throughout your I mean I guess what I'm trying to what I'm trying yeah. to get to is um so when did you become a recovery coach? And then what I really want to know, too, is how early did you start talking to your children about um, drugs, alcohol, what it all oh. means, recovery? What?
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, well, that's a funny story. You know, here's how to not talk to your kids about it. So are you still there? Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, I was, uh, oh, gosh, practically a day sober. And I sat all three of them down on the couch, and I said, you know, granted they were two, five, and eight. Mm-hmm. And um, I said, okay, you guys, I just want to let you know, mommy's an alcoholic. <laughs> and um, I'm, I used to drink, and I'm not going to drink anymore. And, you know, they're looking at me like, I, the eight-year-old could somewhat grasp. But then the five-year-old went to school the next day, and during, you know, show and tell, he raised his hand and says, my mommy's an alcoholic. <laughs> So when I went when I went to pick him up, you know the oh, teacher's God. like, "So well, let me talk to you here." Um, so that's how to not do it. But right. you know, again, like anything, it's age appropriate, yeah. and I just um, and as es- yeah, you know, especially well, you know, a lot of times they went to meetings with me mm. um, because I had to. You know, I was single and um, working full time. So they kind of got a taste of it there. Their favorite meeting was the donut meeting. Right. That of was course. on Sunday. Um, and then you know, with uh they'd hear me talking on the phone to sponsees or um and then as especially as the teenage years started to come around, I would use any opportunity, like let's say we're watching TV and there's a bunch of people that are partying and drunk and um I would be like wow you know it's sometimes fun and then it's can be trouble um and you know basically what I told them it's in the long lineage of our Irish family yeah. that you know what I always heard is that if one parent has this disease chances are you have like 50% chances I don't know where this came from or if it's true but I know there is a, a gene in there somewhere Sure, sure. Um, that they have chances of, of having it and um, but you know there's another way and uh, and then you know as the years went on the their friends would ask questions or I would start doing interventions on the friends and mm. You know, I guess I, I just really have always been really open with my mm-hmm. kids, but age appropriate.
0: Yeah, it's um it's interesting. I, I definitely was a more um, came out with a lot more trepidation. Even like I said, two years ago when I really started my own education into uh, the the world of recovery. You know, it's it's a big big sprawling messy world. But um, uh, yeah, it's I think it was like a month ago or two months ago. Uh, my daughter who is well aware that this is what I do um, but she doesn't know what it means exactly she proudly wears her podcast t-shirt since right now that um, but uh, she asked at dinner she goes what is recovery anyway <laughs> you know oh. and um, so I, you know I explained it to her as best as best I could and and like you said age appropriately um, but uh, yeah so it, it's um I think there's a little foundation there and you know, obviously we see how it goes but um you
1: know, again sometimes it will happen exactly what happened is they'll lead with a
0: question right
1: um you know the main thing i i didn't want my kids to feel that you know there's shame or guilt around it you know um that it's i didn't ask for the disease mm-hmm. um but once i know i have it and that there's help that it's up to me And I I explained it to them when they were little too, because one of my son's friends um, had an allergy to peanuts, Hmm. and I said, "Well, you know, I can't drink because I'm allergic to it, and it makes me sick," (laughs) which it did. And it, it, you know, uh, so just like his friends couldn't eat peanuts because he had an allergy, um, I said, "Mine is similar, but I it's I can't have alcohol or drugs."
0: Yeah and that, I think I've I've essentially used that that explanation. I think mean, it's you know it it gets the point across um pretty clearly for the young ones. Um
1: Yeah and then you know they'll start with at your daughter's school eventually, you know, start all the classes that they start doing, right then they'll have lots of questions yeah. and yeah.
0: Yeah. Um yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it's it's also an interesting time. I don't know why, if it's because I've I've started paying more attention or, or what. But, um, well, I, I think it gen, genuinely recovery is having you know it's it's moment. I feel like these past couple of years, um, and you know the awareness of uh, what addiction really is as a as a health condition, as a medical condition um, that you know, treatable condition um, has really come to the forefront. I think, you know, today, I, I haven't uh, watched yet. Well, it was today, right? Obama, um, President Obama did something in the White House with uh, recovery advocates. Oh,
1: good. I haven't watched that um,
0: But, uh, yeah, I've just been seeing it on my feeds. Um, but, uh, yeah, so uh, as far as, uh, have you seen that have you do you have any sense of that as a coach that more people are willing to or or, or looking to to find help or more open about seeking it yeah. is there any sense of that
1: um well it's the world I live in so, right that's what um, I
0: know if you you looked at the, the books and there's a spike or something you know yeah um, um,
1: you know, I, I, I would say as the years go on, yeah. especially like with the epidemic, the opiate opioid, right. opioid, epidemic. And finally it's, you know, that's probably, I'm just assuming something on the news, which you're talking about might've been, cause there's a lot of that in the news right. that it's, you know, people are just dying left and right. And I guess now apparently it's the number one um, cause of death mm-hmm. in the United States. And it's, um, the number one health uh, risk right now. So I think with with that, um, it's shaking up some more people, and um, finally, yeah, government's doing something about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think as the years go on, education gets better, more research is done. I mean, we, we've come a long way you know decade by decade
0: yeah um yeah I, I feel like there's never been a better time to to find and maintain recovery than right now um, I mean
1: definitely especially in the United States I mean
0: exactly yeah
1: you, there's help all over
0: yeah and and it, and it does seem though part of that um i guess with any major uh not not shake up and i guess a, but the, like attitudes are shifting and you know i think there there's issues with um you know aas being a bit challenged as the one and only way um mm-hmm. and other areas are being explored and being a lot more vocal which is great i think it's great i mean um I, the, the regular listen of the podcast will will be going, We know, Chris, we know. But um I, I, I don't assume that, that um anyone knows <laughs> my story that's that comes on. But you know, I, I've um I never set foot in an AA meeting until the past last year. Um no, uh, I read your story. Okay. I, read it, I think
1: that you did um, and I read it a long time ago.
0: Sure. Uh oh you're breaking up a little bit. But yeah, definitely AA is not the only way. Yeah. yeah, and which, you know, is always um you know that was a real eye-opener surprise again coming to this a couple of years ago because you know jeff had me convinced i was uh, an anomaly um <laughs> that that you know because his experience has been all AA since before he was yeah. even sober um he was going to meetings uh regularly and uh it, it's just interesting that it's yeah such a you know it, it's really opening up um the understandings of it like and uh, yeah, you know, I mean,
1: AA is really, I think, what opened the eye oh, yeah. to the world. Right. And, Yeah, my experience is there's just some people that don't want to do AA right. or it's not for them. That's okay too. There's, there's, you know, lots of different way roads mm-hmm. to recovery. And um, I, I you know, really, what I think is the most important is just the group, you know, Mm -hmm. the, um, to find a support group and, Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, find a support group and find things that you're passionate about in your life. And, you know, that's a good foundation for changing things.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, so from that, with that in mind, in your practice, do you... Do you st- start at the 12 steps, or do you f- figure out the best approach, I mean, I imagine, for for a given person?
1: Yeah. Well, right? no, when I'm coaching people, yeah. you know, I'm a coach. I am not a sponsor. I'm not a 12-step. Got step. it. Okay. It's, it's, I keep them completely separate. And the same thing, when I'm sponsoring a woman women in a some will say, oh, good, I'm going to get a coach, too. I said, oh, no, no, no. All of our conversations Got are going to be... You know are gonna be in the book um, okay. but yeah so really I just kind of do um, an assessment of their life and most of the work I do are uh, is really walking people through the day-to-day challenges that um, are getting in the way of their happiness mm-hmm. so I'm basically looking at what doesn't work in their life and this is what they're telling me that doesn't work and giving them just like practical tools to help. And again, it's much like if you read in the book too. Is you know each chapter ends it with practical tools, and all those tools that I have in the book, in the chapters um, are are ones I've used, ones clients have used. So it's just more of a very practical approach.
0: Okay. Um. And so did can can I ask sp- I'm gonna go all the way back. What did was did you have a career prior to this that informed it or is this a completely separate direction after you got sober?
1: Yeah, yeah well, you know, um, I had a years of very a lot of success in the sales um industry. Well in within the real estate industry. Okay, um, okay. and and, uh, you know when i was about 5 years sober i just thought oh my god get me out of this this is so feels so meaningless and i just wanted <laughs> something and it was right around when the coaching field started kind of opening up and i kind of just bumped into it and i started reading about it and i thought oh my god this is what i want to do and long story short the cti which is the coaches training institute was right here in my backyard you know they're the ones that started the whole coaching field and you know then what happened is i opened my own private practice of coaching and i was just coaching everybody anything whoever and but what started coming to me a lot was um people in recovery okay you know and then uh, local treatment center I had designed a bunch of different workshops I was doing too like um, kind of you know personal growth type things
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um, a treatment center locally here hired me to go in and, and put on workshops so I worked in a, di- a couple different treatment centers um, and then eventually uh, I went back into sales uh, for a local treatment center and um, then continued to do like outreach with um, uh, a couple different treatment centers. But I always kept a couple uh, coaching clients and um, then what was it like four years ago I left that world completely and opened up uh, the ROC, uh, ROC recovery services. And you know, then I opened up, so I was doing we did coaching or we do coaching. Um, I do a lot of consulting uh, and treatment placement, uh, so you know, families will call or loved ones and they might need a treatment center, they might want a therapist, or so I just make recommendations. Um, and then I opened a sober living that I had for about three years, it was only for uh, women, I only took three. And it was for women over 30. Um, I recently closed that because I'm back now doing outreach for Hazelden Betty Ford and writing my second book with Hazelden. And so marketing that, marketing my book, hmm. and that brings me right to where we are today.
0: <laughs> well, that's a busy uh, busy uh, what recovery yeah recovery schedule <laughs> it's like um
1: all the kids are out of the house now i birthed them, oh, okay. raised them so now it's time to birth my other my books sure
0: and
1: you know um and my clients and yeah so yeah staying busy is helpful for me i you know i've got lots of things i want to do in this sober life so um,
0: and and so yeah. do you still what's what's your sort of day-to-day recovery maintenance and I know at a certain point I mean if somebody asked me that I'd I'd, I'd have to say now it's this I you know but um, prior to you know the last two years I don't I didn't have any sort of regular anything in terms yeah. of my recovery
1: yeah well I pretty much do the same thing I've always done um, uh, that I was taught uh, I don't really change it up because it works uh, I wake up in the morning and the first thing I do is get my cup of coffee And I crawl back in bed and I do um, my reading and prayer and meditation. Um, I go to at least three meetings a week. Um, I sponsor other women. I work with my sponsor Um, over the years. You know, I've done therapy off and on. Um, I exercise. I have a lot of fun. And, (laughs) um, you know, uh, just try to you know spend time with friends and family and sure. yeah I, I have a great life of a great life but yeah pretty much I in terms of my you know and then I keep trying to look at my part and how can I grow and um uh change and be you know the person that God intended mm-hmm. me to be
0: you know it's interesting I mean that <laughs> sounds like a terrific uh a terrific um life and and recovery. The the one thing that uh I do want to
1: say go ahead. and I make a lot of mistakes a Sure. Lot of the, yeah, it's not <laughs>
0: Well, you're human. Yeah. Exactly. Right. You're not yeah. superhuman. Um yeah. which we all yeah, we all do. I mean, that's part of I don't think I uh, I think you have to to learn, right? One, oh, sure. to to learn certain things. Um what what was interesting to me and uh, the, the last episode, <laughs> I don't know, Matt, Matt and I ended up doing, um, for whatever reason, We it ended up just Matt and I, and we both happened to be uh, at the tail end of pretty uh, deep depressions. We both suffer from depression. And uh, so we just, we that was the last episode. We just, it was us two talking about being depressed. And it's uh, great. And, uh, yeah, it was really... Uh, you're not
1: great that you're depressed. Sure, right.
0: <laughs> I know. Well, and that's the thing. It's like there's nothing about uh, ourselves we can't laugh at, um, you know, on this show and that we don't. You know, we're sort of irreverent about all of it. And I think okay. that's part of what gets us through a lot of it uh, individually okay. and collectively. And, uh, and so... Uh there there was a lot we got a lot of terrific feedback on that episode. I think, you know, there's maybe because there's still a bit more stigma about, you know, guys talking about depression, much less two guys sitting around talking about it somewhat publicly, um mm-hmm. and, and letting everybody else listen. Uh but besides that, what it what it brought to mind is with addiction uh, issues there does tend to be a lot of, um, you know, co-occurring disorders, you know, depression and bipolar and OCD and anxiety and all that, but not always. And, and that was, um, I had somebody actually, uh, that I engaged with after that, that, that said it's just, wasn't part of his, his, uh, makeup, you know, once he's sober, but he didn't suffer from depression and doesn't suffer from depression, which I found really interesting. Um, I guess, cause, uh, I assume that it's, I mean, I guess that that's that's the maybe more the exception to that rule. I think
1: Hazelden, you know, they research a lot, and um, I think they research that something. I don't know if I have this number right, but like eighty-five percent of addicts, alcoholics suffer suffer from um, some form of mental health uh, issue, Uh, and and you're right. I haven't seen I I've seen a few that don't have Mm -hmm. any co-occurring um issue but it's been very few
0: well and so with with that in mind which exactly i think that's where my head was is that it's it's not having the co-occurring uh mental um uh health issue um was the exception not the rule um and uh it got me thinking that with, and maybe it's just because I'm listening to it more, but it honestly feels like addiction is coming out, and and there's a lot of talk about um, destigmatizing addiction and people that suffer from substance use disorders and how we talk about it and how we talk about ourselves. And I started thinking, it feels like um, the mental health side of things isn't keeping pace maybe with... um, the destigmatization, or, or, um, sure. and I don't know that. That's just an observation. I guess what I'm getting to is is asking you if that's the case with you. If if there's if you, especially after you describe such a wonderful, amazing life, um, if there is any depression, and if so, maybe how you deal with it.
1: I mean, I'm um, I was diagnosed bipolar two, which, okay. um, and, and there's all different levels of. Of everything. Um, But so like my, within that diagnosis, I have what they call rapid cycling. And I go, well, I used to go up and down, up and down, up and down all day long. And um, when I was about six years stone cold sober, I did not know what was going on with me. Um, But I just kept going down, down, down. And every day it was more difficult to get out of bed. And um, so long story short, I ended up checking myself into a local treatment center it wasn't for depression i just wanted a safe place to go because i just you know i didn't want to kill myself um and i didn't want to drink uh, but i i just i needed Mm -hmm. help and so i checked myself in there and long story short um uh they sent me to a psychiatrist who spent a lot of time diagnosing me and um you know i'd say before that I had a lot of judgment about people on medication, and I remember I went to a doctor when I was about two years sober, and she said, oh, well, here, um, you must be depressed or something. Take this. And I thought, oh, I am not taking anything. You know, I, I had the judgment that I think is out there. I mean, the fact that there's no way I wanted someone to say that I had a mental health issue. I mean, that... That to me sounded like you know I'm gonna lo- they're gonna lock me up. I mean I had no education around it, but because I had hit such a low, I was just like call me what you want, just help. And um, I remember the first time that the medication kicked in, uh, it was like the lights were turned on for me, almost like it had gone from a dimmer switch from like very dark to the light coming on. And I remember thinking is this how most people wake up? Like, (laughs) you know, like it's just level ground instead of like ground, you know, 50 below. Um, And so it completely changed my life. So I talk about it, I talk about it a lot um, because it is, I still think there's a huge stigma. We're way behind. Not only are we way behind in, um, you know, the stigma but we're way behind in the treatment. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of good, great drug and alcohol treatment centers and help out there. Um, mental health it really suffers in, in the United States, and I'm sure in, in the world um, we're mm-hmm. way behind. But thank God they're doing so many great studies on the brain. Um, but, yeah, in terms of the state, you know, and also with, with medication, it uh, it's like a science project. Right. a little bit of this a little bit that and then your body's change or you you age or for women we you know have hormone issues so it's kinda trying to just find that balance and um, you know and to know that you know just a pill is not gonna fix everything I have to really pay attention to my lifestyle I can't get too stressed because that triggers it Um, I've got to sleep well and eat well and exercise so you know, that's all a part of my recovery plan too. It's not just about not drinking or just going to meetings. It's it's a whole lifestyle change.
0: Yeah, and that's that's a terrific point. Um Yeah, I, I mean I, I I agree wholeheartedly on all those all those issues. I mean I had my own sort of reluctance to, to medicate what um you know I thought I should just be able to figure out and handle or something. Um, and, (laughs) right. Well, and I, and I was literally, um, I was literally told that's what I was supposed to do. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, and then, (laughs) you know, once I, once I did cave to, and you know, other people, regular listeners will have heard the story before, but to a, a doctor, my neurologist saying, you know, just take the, what what is what do I take Lexapro? Just take the Lexapro. What will it matter in ten thousand years anyway? I think I was exactly. so blown away by a doctor saying such an un um, doctor like thing. You know, what will <laughs> it matter? Exactly. That I'm like, you know what? He's right. Um, He's, and yeah. you know, I credit it with being a lifesaver. So oh, uh,
1: completely. Yeah. You know, there's so many people that you know kill themselves over you know because they get so miserable and you know why live and like I say, the, the medication changed my life completely and what it was explained to me and it helped me get over the stigma of, you know, taking medication was my doctor just told me how, that my brain is wired differently and it, this is about unwiring, you know, rewiring it and he said too, Rosemary, we'll, we'll try you on these medications if, if it works great. If it doesn't, you know, then you don't need them. But it was a life changer for me. I really, um, I, you know, I see so many people suffering and we're lucky that we live in a day and age right. where right. there is good help and there is good medication. Um, yeah. you know, and, and for the listeners out there, they're not the ones I take, of course, are not addictive. Uh, oh, right. Just, yeah. No. Yeah. But you know, cause there are, I know right. there's many teachers yeah. out there. Um, You know, like I have a lot of clients come to me that, you know, high, high, high anxiety. And I say, you know, have you ever been assessed by a psychiatrist for your anxiety? Well, they've lived that way for Mm -hmm. so long that they think it's just normal. Right. Or they think, like I did, I thought it was just situational. Oh, I'm going through a divorce. Oh, I've got three young kids. Oh, blah, 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 blah. Well, yeah, um, life, that's all normal life stuff, but... I I didn't understand that you know it didn't have to be chemically, you know, chemically my brain was wired differently. So, I think it's great that you guys are talking about on the radio. You know, I think you hear you it's more likely you'll hear a woman talk about depression or um or anxiety. I I don't hear a lot of men talking about it.
0: Yeah, I do, I do think it's really, um, you know, it's happening more, and maybe because I'm looking for it more. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah, there, there still is a significant amount of, uh, I guess, uh, stigma, I guess, is uh, attached to it. But, yeah, I mean, sometimes it, it literally can, um, you know, change, if not, you know, save lives, letting people talk about it. And that's one of the, you know, f- fundamental things we we came to on that last episode was um you know just talk about it you know in, to anybody right. and does wonders right. um <clears throat> right. well, so. and the
1: thing is you know in, in talking about it and admitting it and sharing our experience it it takes away from the stigma cuz exactly. if we're hiding it and quiet about it and you know are embarrassed about it or whatever that adds to the the stigma
0: yeah. Both. Yeah. Both with, um, yeah, addiction and, and mental health issues. So, I, I mean, I imagine with this being your, um, profession that, uh, your, all, er, all your, your friends and family and ev- everyone uh, you encounter sort of knows that, that you work in addiction recovery. Right. Right. Um, which is a uh, interesting place to be. i I'm, I'm sort of Getting to that, maybe I, maybe I've reached that point where everybody that knows me knows me knows that I basically I don't I don't work in addiction recovery per se, but um, I talk about it and maintain a website about it, twenty four seven. It feels like. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So, uh, and it's an interesting place to be, uh, and it's um, it, it's just yeah. yeah go, go ahead. I was
1: gonna say. You know um, of course and I've been in it for so long now Um, now if I go to like a a social function at my kids school um, do some people know yeah but I don't yeah I don't go out and kind of wave a banner Um, and matter of fact even sometimes when people say you know what do you do Um, I you know I'm I'm a coach I'm a life coach because that's the truth it's like I, because if you ever tell anybody you're an addiction coach or you work in the field, oh my God, that's all they want to talk about sometimes. And when I'm out in public and having fun, you know, it's it's my time off. I don't, I need a break from it too. But uh, you know, I I don't hide it. Or if anybody calls and said, Hey, I've got this
0: right.
1: person, can I give them your name? And you know, can I give them your name? I said, Yeah, give them my name. Whether they need a coach or they just need someone to talk to right. about addiction you, you can always call me but um yeah but i, I know what you're saying I, I think i know what you're saying is um uh does it you know there, maybe there's a fine line for people yes yeah,
0: yeah that's, it,
1: that's okay too
0: yeah well i mean i think people have strong opinions about it and um I mean, I guess it's neither here nor there, and, and I wouldn't be anywhere else but <laughs> being a, a sort of proponent for, uh, you know, addiction recovery and, and mental health. So, um, yeah. well, wow. See, like, this, this is, uh, to me, the mark of a good episode. I had no idea that we had uh, talked for almost an hour now.
1: That was really, oh, my gosh. Yeah.
0: And... Um, so, yeah, and that's when, when it uh, turns into just a, a conversation. I think uh, that's great. Yeah. Uh, so well, I want to make sure. Is there anything that um, we didn't get to you wish you'd
1: um, No, you know, mention? I just say I appreciate the opportunity. And um, I know I always do like to mention if, you know, people need to reach me, um, they can find me on my website. It's uh, ROC recovery services.com and uh, my book is a uh, uh, sober mom's guide to recovery and um, I'll be having another one come out published by Hazelden in oh I don't know a year or so <laughs>
0: well if if not sooner you have to to come back um
1: I would love to I would it's been great well um, thank you so well, much for the work you do I think this is great and um yeah, I really appreciate you having
0: me on. Well, I appreciate you coming. Thanks. And it was a great talk, and, uh, yeah, that, that hour uh, flew by. So, yeah, um, stay in touch, and I'll, I'll definitely reach out tomorrow and let you know when the episode's up. It's likely be uh, right around noon sometime. Okay. okay. Okay, and I'll send you all the links and everything. All right. Cool.
1: Take care. Okay, Take care. Bye. Bye-bye.